Hello, and welcome to Right Care at Baptist. I'm your co-host, Jake Lancaster, here along with Henry Sullivan, where we'll be talking to you about the clinical topics that are important to our physicians and medical staff at Baptist. We're here today with Amanda Comer, the System Director for Advanced Practice Providers, to talk about the role of APPs in the war to combat COVID. Amanda, can you talk to us a little bit about your role within Baptist? Yes. Thank you, Dr. Lancaster. I'm happy to be here. I am a practicing nurse practitioner, board certified as a family acute care and emergency nurse practitioner. I currently serve as a system director for advanced practice providers for Baptist. So advanced practice providers include nurse practitioners, physician assistants, certified registered nurse anesthetists, certified nurse midwives, and clinical nurse specialists. We have over 1,100 advanced practice providers throughout the Baptist system that work in various settings. My role is to serve as a system resource for advanced practice and then also to focus on optimal utilization to meet the needs of our patients that we serve as well as the quality and financial goals of the organization. Wow, yeah. When I heard about your role within the system, I, I know how complex it is and how many different nuances there are. I was not sure I understood the complete breadth and depth of everything you and, and other APPs do within the system. So I appreciate you coming on to tell us a little bit about, about what you do and, and how y'all are helping out in, in different ways and, and augmenting everybody within the medical staff. Henry, can you lay the foundation for this episode and kind of give us your goals for what you want to accomplish? Thanks, Jake. I really appreciate it. Amanda, we want to welcome you to, to our podcast series. And in your introduction, I think you laid the groundwork that, that I think bears further ex explanation. And then we can go from there. You said that you are trained uh, both in the ambulatory environment, uh, ED, and acute care setting. If I've heard you introduce yourself, can you explain to me a little bit about what you just said? What does that mean? Absolutely. So there are different avenues for nurse practitioner training. For example, a family nurse practitioner um, really deals with those chronic illnesses, typically in the ambulatory setting, whereas an acute care trained nurse practitioner focuses on the complex illnesses. And often you see these practitioners within the acute care setting in the hospital, um, in the ICU, even um, in specialized such as cardiology. And then there are also other certifications such as emergency and then women's health and psych mental health. So when we think about then uh, the care of the, the COVID patient, and, and that, that's been the topic, Amanda, of some of our earlier reportings is how do we manage this very complex patient, both uh, in the emergency department, really within all areas that you that you've touched, that that nurse practitioners uh, can support us. Um, tell me a little bit about the role that the nurse practitioner would play uh, in the uh, intensive care area, which is certainly an area where where the the minority of uh, COVID patients find themselves. But tell me the roles that a nurse practitioner might find supporting care of the patient in the intensive care area. Acute care nurse practitioners are uniquely trained to care for complex patients, such as those COVID patients in the ICU, to augment that care team 
to manage the critically ill and additionally perform procedures that may be needed, such as intubation. Amanda, then in the COVID-19 patients have uniquely stressed our provider community. And we have found in, in other states, such as New York, where there was a significant provider shortage. Have some of the guidelines, if you will, or some of the regulations around what uh, nurse practitioners can do has it been loosened, if you will, during the, the time of this pandemic? Can you, can you bring me up to speed on that? Absolutely, that's a great question. So scope of practice is defined by the individual states. At the start of the pandemic, our national leaders looked to the individual states to evaluate scope of practice and identify how to optimize our resources. There were executive orders that were put forth by the governors many of those had end dates. However, what we're finding this pandemic is not over. I think that we're beginning to see another spike and we will continue to see waves. I'm hopeful that we will continue to look for innovative ways to enhance that scope of practice and optimize the skill set of all of our clinical team members. So have the end dates for any of the three states that we serve occurred yet? They have. So one of the biggest factors is that we have a collaborative agreement within the state of Tennessee, and then it also requires co-signatures and site visits for the physician to come on site where the nurse practitioner is. That did have an end date. So we're back for the state of Tennessee. And, did and what Mississippi is, and Arkansas similarly have these executive orders, or was it only Tennessee that walked in the scope? Tennessee had, um, was the only one with the executive order for the collaborative agreement. Mississippi had some changes in um, telehealth relax, somewhat of providing telehealth, what individuals and where those individuals could provide telehealth. But again, that ends when the pandemic ends. Gotcha. And so that end date has already occurred. Was that towards the end of April or, or so? That's correct. Okay. So, man, you bring up a really good point a minute ago. You mentioned something about telehealth and the role that, that I think we found expanded rather exponentially during this time of, of telehealth services. Uh, are, how are nurse practitioners involved in, in these virtual clinic settings, if you will? Absolutely. So, Baptist APPs are a vital part of the care team, pre-COVID and even more so during this pandemic. Our advanced practice providers are on the front lines combating COVID each day in the ambulatory, acute care, and emergency setting. When you speak of the virtual, one particular team comes to mind. There's an amazing collaborative effort put forth by the BMG group um, where we have a team of five nurse practitioners that make up what they call the COVID triage team. They virtually screen patients for COVID testing. Um, the NP assesses and prioritizes each case. For example, if the patient is um, noticeably dyspneic or short of breath on the visit or virtual call, virtual encounter, the NP will facilitate emergency care and notify the emergency department. Additionally, the COVID team assists patients that may not be experiencing symptoms, but seeking guidance. So there, the NPs are able to provide individualized patient education so during the screening or the triage, 
the advanced practice provider asks the patient specific questions about symptoms or exposure. Um, the patient is provided with recommendations and a plan to ensure their health and safety, well-being, and then also for the family members. If needed, the team can coordinate BMG drive-through testing. Additional duties of this virtual team includes calling patients to notify their results and then also provide education. The APPs are rotating weekends to be on call for the COVID hotline. Another team referred to as the BMG COVID swab team actually travels to various companies or industries to provide COVID swabs to those employees. They actually may perform anywhere from 200 to 400 employee tests per day. Wow, goodness. Are all of those activities active in all three states? That's correct. So, Amanda, you, so you, keep, you keep dropping all these pearls of what nurse practitioners' uh, duties. And, and one, you, one you just mentioned in passing was discussing with those who've been exposed to COVID-19. Are the nurse practitioners involved in the, the tracer program for the health system? Absolutely. So the, the contact tracing program has been very valuable. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were challenged with looking for ways for clinical placement for nurse practitioner students and medical students. We were limiting um, the clinical interaction for safety reasons and then also for the for conservation of PPE. Um, and, and so we, we placed these students in what we call the contact tracing program. Um, it's very similar to what the health departments perform, but we're focused on our team members. So the students working with, with a team with the employee health individuals at the entities, infection preventionist, and then also Dr. Lillian Ogari from the Baptist College of Health Sciences um, to coordinate when an employee is exposed to an individual who tests positive for COVID, whether it be a patient or another employee. We reach out to those team members and then identify their risk level, so low, medium, or high. This has been a great learning opportunity for the students, but it's also been great for the organization because it's helped us be able to pick up on patterns for those that are high risk exposure and then also guide our policy or if there are things that we need to change, such as implementation of, of masking patients when they come in the door or the utilization of face shields or being more being careful um, with those interactions with our teammates. You know, we. We oftentimes have our guard up when we're caring for patients, but when we're sitting next to our coworker, you know, it's important that we, we don't let our guard down for that. So this has been a, a wonderful project, and we've, we've made over 2,000 contacts with our employees um, since, the, since the program started. That's really interesting. And what patterns have you all found? I've, I've heard various stories, but I would love to hear what, what you've actually seen. You know, at, at the beginning, we learned a lot about, you know, the goggles and the face mask, if you don't have those on, will oftentimes put you at a higher risk. But what has been lower is when we begin to mask the patient and then utilizing those facials. Another pattern that we've seen is when we have our break or our teammates congregate together 
in the break room or eat lunch, you know, where we're in close contact for 15, 20 minutes that may put us at higher risk. Yeah, that's what I'd heard is a lot of the employee spread to others is happening during lunch or, or during those break periods where they're eating together. So, you know, COVID-19 has disrupted the entire healthcare industry. Obviously, there were some really important things that you were working on prior to COVID-19. I know one of the things you were hoping to do is get a little bit more standardization across our facilities on the delineation of privileges for APPs. Has COVID-19 shaped the way you think about any of this or accelerated any of those plans? Absolutely, it has accelerated. We currently have a group working together to look at the delineation of privileges for our advanced practice providers. Each entity has a different, what we call DOP or delineation of privilege, and it varies. And, and, and that's okay to some extent to the fact that you may have different resources at Baptist Spoonville than what you have in Metro, um, but there are core privileges or privileges that are innate for every nurse practitioner. So what we're doing is identifying those and writing those out, and then also identifying the skill set of those specialized trains, such as the emergency nurse practitioner or acute care nurse practitioner, and then evaluating the needs. Would it be beneficial to allow these advanced practice providers to perform at the fullest extent of their license and scope, and how can we really tap into that skill set to augment the care team? So, Amanda, that, that begs a question then. So, when you're looking at our, our historical delineation of privilege forms, and again, we have 22 hospitals and the DOP forms vary across the system, I understand. Uh, have you found some confusion in, in what there was the perception of what nurse practitioners can bring to the table, or how has this how has this helped? Absolutely. So there has been there has been some confusion, and and nurse practitioners are trained differently. As we talked about, there are some that are the FMP may be better set in that ambulatory setting, whereas acute care are trained to do those higher higher level procedures. So. You know, we're drawing near the, the close of the episode. One of the things we always like to ask our guests is to discuss where they think the future will go as far as their role and and what they hope to bring over the next coming months. So what do you see as the future for APP specifically around uh, continuing to treat the COVID pandemic, but also just beyond the pandemic? I absolutely think the COVID pandemic has highlighted the collaboration between all team members. And I see this collaboration only um, getting better post-COVID. We rely on others to help us during this time. And so I hope that we're able to really see the skill set and the knowledge and the benefit to the utilization of advanced practice providers as we move forward. That's great. Henry, do you have any takeaways for the audience? Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, the role that the advanced practice provider plays in our organization is certainly a key, uh, a key role for the system. And we appreciate you bringing that expertise to us that helps, I think, the physician side of the provider community understand the important role that all, all different specialties within the advanced practice provider 
community can bring to to us and to the communities that we serve. Thank you again for, for taking time to be with us. Thank you guys. And I, I would like, if we have time, I would like to read a statement from one of the MP COVID triage team members, nurse practitioner Lindsay Moretta. She said, although this pandemic has been a detrimental experience for the world, Baptist team members have soared together more than ever. I could not be more proud to be a part of this astounding corporation. Thank you so much, Amanda. Just my closing comment and my version of the future for at least one APP member is she doesn't know it quite yet, but she's going to be asked to come back on quite frequently for this podcast to help me out as I struggle through this. So that is the future I see for, for Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we've, we've dropped a hook in you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, based on the feedback we've gotten from the audience so far, we, you know, we drastically need some improvement with the, the host. So I'm <laughs> looking at you to really make this thing go uh, international. Oh, my word. Hey, look, hey, look, we've got people from Great Britain signing. That's true. We had to our one member from UK that downloaded the podcast. I really appreciate it. That'd be one. Yes, please send some feedback. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's episode of Right Care Baptist. Remember, you can check the show notes for your link to the CME survey so you can get the credit for listening to this episode. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.